0: I uh, read a book several years ago based on the life of Elijah. and I used it with uh, studying for the last couple of weeks, possibly in tonight. I'm to be able to uh, cover the rest of Elijah's life uh, tonight in our Bible study. but The title of this study is Elijah the Crusader of Righteousness. I followed that title. I mean, i not seeing Elijah as a knight in shining armor, crusading, in the sense of the crusades, but he definitely was a crusader of righteousness. He was a passionate man, he was a determined man, he was a confident man, a courageous man, confident in the right sense of the word. We'll speak to that here in just a little bit, but what a powerful... Example or a powerful influence. So much that we could glean from the life of Elijah. We'll not be able to cover all the different passages, but First Kings seventeen, in verse one, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, "As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word." You see Elijah just appearing on the scene. Seemingly out of nowhere, we know a little bit about him based on his name. He was named Elijah, meaning the Lord, the Lord, the strong one, uh, the strong one in the sense of the Lord Jehovah, eternal, immutable, self existent, all sufficient. Again, many times people were named with specific reasons or certain biblical, even prophetic, um, meaning to their name. We are maybe less careful, less meaningful in how we name our children. Uh, We name them maybe after a loved one. Maybe we just open up a baby book and turn to page 52 and put our finger on the page. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. There's random ways. Um, There are some that choose some really odd names, some unusual names. Uh, Just I don't know, for attention would be different, or uh, whatever the case may be. But usually, in Bible times, a name was chosen with great care, with meaning, with purpose, and intention. So there was obviously uh, some intention here in naming Elijah, uh, the strong one of God, the Jehovah Lord, uh, the strong one, and that was even prophetic in the sense of how God used Elijah and how strong and courageous and brave he was for the Lord. In the New Testament, Matthew 11, verse 14, specifically we see his name translated Elias, which is the Greek form or the Greek translation from the Hebrew. Tishbite, we spent a good deal of time looking at this particular aspect of his life. He was a Tishbite. We understand that was a Galilean town, so northern Israel, up to the west of the Sea of Galilee, and then where he came from, the area of Galilee, in the region of Galilee west of the Jordan River, was an area of wilderness, we might refer to it as maybe in, in out the country, or backwoods, so I mentioned last week that some people, knowing uh, again how we use in our vernacular the, the term "country bumping preacher," he might have been classified in that sense. Not that all country bumpkin teachers or or preachers are backwards or or uneducated. I and mean, there's some very very good uh, country preachers who maybe didn't have, did not have all of the Great formal education of the higher Bible colleges, but have been used greatly of the Lord. And so, again, not saying anything negative about country preachers. He would have probably been classified in that sense coming from that area and knowing that John the Baptist was cloned in camel's hair and ate locusts and wild honey, and Elijah came from that same area, and John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah. It seems there's a lot of similarities in Elijah's ministry and in his upbringing and where he came from. Elijah would have come from an area that was not an aristocratic or an elite or a ruling class type of region or a group of people. It would have been a relatively obscure area. Gilead on the west side, excuse me, the east side of the Jordan River. is known for its rocky terrain. And somewhat culturally backward inhabitants. So again, we see the importance of being humble before the Lord, being willing to be used of God, and how God will use even those in the world would not consider mighty or noble or high class. But God will use any of us if we're willing, if we're humble, if we're submissive, and if we are willing to take whatever it is that God has blessed us with and give it to the Lord as living sacrifices. And we'll talk about that again some more as we go through some principles tonight that we can glean from the life of Elijah. Now, you'll see the map behind me. And I'll step out of the way just for a minute. Once again, Elijah would have come from Tishbe up here in this region, but his ministry and where he eventually came out of was this area of Gilead. And then of course he would come across and he would confront Ahab. And then just to take note, the widow of Zarephath. Okay. So Elijah confronts Ahab. So he confronts Ahab uh, over in this region here. He takes on the prophets Baal at Mount Carmel, And then he after he confronted Ahab, he ends up being sent down here to the brook Cherith. But then when he came out of the brook Cherith, he traveled all the way up north of the city of Tyre to Zarephath. And that's where he did the miracles with the the widow of Zarephath. Not only the the food, the the oil, you know, all that he did there in that miracle, but also the raising of her son. Can you imagine all that travel by foot? That's a whole lot of territory that Elijah had to cover. So he was a strong man physically as well as spiritually. This guy, he had to have some strength to his life to go to do all that travel and to have the spiritual fortitude to confront Ahab and to do the works of God that he did so powerfully. So then we see... As we looked at briefly last week, we see Elijah in a time of triumph. We're just going to quickly summarize his life. We see in the time of triumph, early in his ministry, confronting Ahab, where he announced God's judgment. He trusted in God's care. He went from confronting Ahab to going down and living by that little brook, the brook Cherith. Again, I often think of a creek. Uh, Maybe it was... A small river, but it was known as a brook, which would be probably comparable to uh, one of our creeks. It dried up during the famine, three and a half years without rain, and he had to trust God's care. And while he was there, he was fed by ravens, scavengers. And I remember being in Canada on a mission trip, and I don't know if they were ravens, but those were the biggest blackbirds I have ever seen. Unbelievable. I mean, if I had a small child with a United Bull on brain right? I was born were so big. I'd be afraid they'd fly off with, with a, a small child. They were huge. He was fed by ravens, and then later he would be fed by a widow, and then later fed uh, by an angel, and he had to trust in God's care. He did God's work. He left the church and went to Zarephath, way up north there at the city of Tyre, and God used him to perform miracles, uh, both with uh, the well and feeding the, the widow and her son, but also raising him up to life, back to life. And then he challenged God's enemies in first Kings 18, in verses 18 through 40, the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. And he talked about a man who had to stand up against the culture, who had to put his life on the line to proclaim the truth, and then to Take on those 400 and uh, I think it was 450 prophets of Baal. And he confronted them. They, They built that altar, they danced around, and they did what? They cut themselves and bled out and did all kinds of pagan, ritualistic, religious types of pagan activities, including the cutting of themselves, and it produced nothing. Again, this was a direct attack upon Baal, who was the god of agriculture, the little G god of agriculture. And Elijah used the god to prove, to show that the Lord God Jehovah is the one true and living God. And made a mockery of Baal, who couldn't produce one drop of rain and couldn't do anything to engulf that altar. So God brought down fire and. It scooped up all that water, evaporated all that water. that was poured in the trench, an entire altar. And then Elijah slew those prophets of you Talk about a strong man, a courageous man who didn't care about popularity. There's a lot of weak preachers today who are more concerned about popularity and nickles and noses than they are in preaching the truth. I've been reading through a book just for my own personal benefit and just going back through the history of evangelicalism. I've known some of these things. I've learned some of the the names and some of the the history from my my previous studies and through Bible college and seminary. But once again, reading through this, this book that speaks to the compromise of so many churches and denominations and preachers, big name preachers that are revered and reverenced by so many people today yet compromised in so many ways and wanted to make Christianity popular in a way that ultimately gutted Christianity of its foundational doctrines. Men and women who would Compromised on truth of God's word, foundational doctrines, in order to remain popular. Elijah said, "Fooly with popularity, fooly with success." He said, "I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do." And that meant confronting Ahab. It meant living off of the whatever the ravens could bring him. It meant traveling those great distances, going to a unknown widow and a relatively obscure part, actually she was a Phoenician woman, a Canaanite not even a Jew the Jews were so pagan and idolatrous and immoral there were so few of them serving the Lord that God sent Elijah not to Israel to perform that miracle, but to Phoenicia to Zarephath, to help a widow what a, what a testimony and so we see Elijah in the time of triumph, and then we know the story and again, this is a, this is a testimony in, in, a, in, in an unusual, maybe kind of way. This is a testimony to the inspiration of God's Word. Because if the Bible were just a book written by man, man would have included First Kings 19. Elijah going from Mount Carmel to running way far south, if I can go back. He ends up way down here. He ends up way down here. Okay, So he runs. He goes even further south. And he flees from Jezebel. And he goes as far as he can away. And here's a man who went from slaughtering the prophets of Baal, standing up to Ahab, preaching the truth, to a discouraged and depressed and a man who was ready to give up. And yet that's included in the scriptures. What does, what does man do? Man makes himself out to be the hero and hardly ever includes anything that would be so negative. Again, I, I think it just speaks again to the, the inspiration of God's word, the preservation of God's word, the honesty that these are men and women of faith, yet they had weakness, they had failure in their life, and yet we can learn from them. How often do we have to, I think it was Dr. Bob uh, Sr. who said, I I try to skim the cream off of the life of every person that I meet. In other words, we can learn something from just about anybody that we meet in life. Some people we have to spit out a lot of bones, we have to uh, pile around them. Some people we... You don't learn as much from, but I've learned through my my growing up years and in the ministry and just as a dad, as an adult. And and I've grown even since being here in in many different ways. I've learned and gleaned from so many of you just in 15 months of of knowing some of you. I've been blessed to be under the, the ministries of some very godly men, good pastors. I've had the privilege of learning from some strong Christian families who I've looked up to through the years. I'm thankful for my own family and the influence of my mom and dad, and, and the, the, the influence of Kelly and her her family and her parents. Strong Christian people. So many, so many people. But you know, there there are things that we learn from people, and uh, Elijah. He, he was a, a man of great faith, and yet he had great failure. He ran from Jezebel. He ran like a dog with its leg between its tails, running off. Or his tail between its legs. Sorry, got <laughs> <laughs> all messed up. Its tail between its legs. Ran off, right? Scared like a little chicken. Okay, and there, there, there he was, hiding, cowering in that cave. You know, what, 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 what is Elijah? good for at that point it seems like and yet God restores him we see a compassionate God who took time who fed him he needed physical help as well as spiritual help and so many times we ignore the physical or we ignore the spiritual when we need both in times of discouragement and depression and I've taken several counseling and psychology classes and I've read a lot and, and Emily's in a biblical counseling, and we've had some good discussions over the phone and, and in person about psychology, and I know there's a, a counseling ministry here in Lafayette, and I know many people have used it through the years. I know people who have used it through the years, and there's a, a, a biblical, euthetic counseling uh, theme and focus that we, we need, we need biblical counseling, not this blend of Bible and pop psychology and trying to blend the two but truly keeping psychology under the biblical truth and and using uh, biblical truth to order the psychology because man is body, soul, and spirit and Elijah needed the spiritual help as well as the physical and many times we need a good doctor can help us with the physical but we also can't ignore the spiritual I know sometimes there is an extreme to one or the other and I've known people who are good Christian people and they just completely ignore the physical and there are things that maybe need to be done physically to help us and yet of course we need faith and we need the word of God we need to apply biblical truth of course we do um, but sometimes there is a physical need that, that is contributing in the, the, the effects. You see that in Elijah's life. And God helped him physically, gave him food, gave him rest, helped him physically, and then helped him spiritually and restored him and said, I'm not done with you, Elijah. I have many other things for you to do. And so when Elijah was... In that cave, and you heard the still small, the still small voice of God. And there was the restoring of Elijah back to service. Elijah went right back into effective service for the Lord, and that's where we see Elijah once again in a time of service, announcing God's judgment. Who met Ahab on the way back from murdering Naboth in 1 Kings 20, 1 Kings 21? It was Elijah. And he confronted Ahab again. And kind of like Nathan who confronted David and said, Thou art the man, Elijah kind of does it again. He had confronted Ahab before, and now here's Ahab. And he has, <coughs> along with his wicked queen Jezebel, again I mentioned last week, Jezebel wore the pants in the penguin. Jezebel was the one who was really running the show. He was a weak-spine, weak jellyfish, milquetoast husband. And Jezebel ran all over him. And she was ultimately the one who had the power, who had the authority. We see that. We see that today. We see that. We're not going to go very far. <clears throat> see in America, weak-spineless jellyfish men who are being manipulated and controlled uh, by wicked women or women who are out of their place. And this isn't a male chauvinistic sermon. Okay, I don't want anybody to take it the wrong way. But, of course, women have equality with men. But there are roles and there are places of responsibility that we can't just ignore that the Scripture teaches. And it never works well. It never works out well. When the man is a whim or the wife takes over the leadership in the home, And it never goes well. I've watched it many a time in action. And it just causes controversy and difficulty. And it's not according to God's design and God's order. And it can be hard when the man isn't doing what he should do. Sometimes the woman has to duck. So God can hit the man. That's called submission. Okay, It's God dealing with the man and the woman ducking out of the way. Okay. Some of you might get that, some of you might not understand that. But anyway, the, the, the point is, we, we focus so much on that sometimes when we see the husband is the love of his wife and we're to submit one to another in the fear of God. There is obviously the responsibilities in the home of the husband and wife, husband is the leader, and the woman to respect and reverence her husband. We see the breakdown of that in Ahab and Jezebel and the wickedness, the idolatry, the immorality and the disruption to the kingdom and all the consequences of it. And then Jezebel leads, and Ahab follows her leadership, and they steal Naboth's vineyard, and they have him executed. A kangaroo court. And he's murdered. And Elijah confronts Ahab once again and basically tells him, you're going to die in battle and your wife's going to die, and the dogs are going to come with liquor blood. And he announced judgment. And in 2 Kings 1, verse 16, in 2 Kings 1, he deals with Ahaziah. is looking to a foreign country for help instead of to God, and Elijah confronts him. He says, what are you doing going to a foreign country looking for help? Why don't you turn to the Lord? And Ahaziah suffers... The judgment of God and Elijah was there to declare it. and again we see Elijah coming in Luke 1 and verse 17 I mentioned earlier that Elijah came, or John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah it speaks a little bit to Elijah's ministry and to John the Baptist's ministry of course as well and then uh, Elijah would be used in 1 Kings 19 in anointing uh, future kings of Israel and 2 Kings 2 so that was an important role of the prophet. It wasn't done. God wasn't done with him. He was responsible in helping with the establishment of the new kings in the line of Israel. And then he's divinely honored. 2 Kings chapter 2, in verse number 11. This is a verse that we're looking at. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire imparted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. His honor came even in the fact that he escaped death. Now, will Elijah be one of the prophets in the book of Revelation? We don't know. But we do know Elijah appeared where else in the New Testament? Go ahead, some of these say it. The Mount of Transfiguration, exactly. So we see Elijah honored there as well in Matthew 17. What an honor. And I know that, that, that he is an exception, he and Enoch. So some say, oh, that's the two prophets in the book of Revelation, Enoch and Elijah. We don't, we don't know for sure, but I know some people have speculated that because Enoch and Elijah did not experience death. And it's the point that a man once died after this, the judgment. We know that there are um, those two exceptions in, in the case of Enoch and Elijah. But we see a divine honor. So, as we close tonight, what are some lessons that we can glean from the life of Elijah? I've already spent uh, a little bit of time on this one. I won't uh, continue to dwell on this. But first of all, we once again see God often uses people. God often uses people who don't meet the world standard of success, power, and influence. And again, we have all kinds of celebrities. Superstars, superheroes, super athletes, and our world is just completely infatuated and obsessed with celebrity culture. It's just, please don't, 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 don't slap me after the service, but we don't need to get our theology and our culture from Kanye West. Yay, whatever he's going by now. He has said maybe, he has maybe said some good things lately. There might be some things that we can glean that he's been bold enough to say about life or certain subjects. But there is way too much attention given to somebody like that. That man has got a lot of issues. And I don't think he's very doctrinally sound. And I know he claims to be some sort of Christ follower, but I do not see much evidence of a genuine faith in Christ I've never heard him talk about repenting of his sins and calling himself a sinner and I don't hear terms of repentance and soteriology in his talk uh, I hear him talk about God and I hear him talk about life and some other subjects but it's there is a, an obsession with celebrity culture and even Christians who are just all about Kanye oh he's such a good Christian man did you hear what he said no, I'm not really interested in getting my theology from Conde. And I think his, if you want to call it music, I don't even call it music, noise, his noise is not honoring to the Lord. No matter what the lyrics might say, and I question even the doctrine of some of his lyrics, but that kind of music is not of the Lord. So I don't know I may have upset some people, but it's okay. God often uses people who don't meet the world's standard of success, power, influence. And we see 1 Corinthians one: God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound wise, the weak things of the world to confound things which are mighty, the base things of the world, things which are despised, that God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to not things that are that no flesh should glory in His presence. I used to quote that Pastor Defoe used to use in our staff meetings. Uh, many times I heard him say, we have too many big shots in Christianity. We need more little shots. You may have borrowed that from somebody else. But um, we need to, if we're talented, if we're, if we're gifted, lay that, to, lay that before the Lord. Give it to God and let God use it. Too many talented, smart people are too smart and too talented for their own good. They're too smart or too talented for God to use because they don't give it to the Lord and submit it to Him. What else can we learn from the life of Elijah? Loyal service for God is worth all of the challenges and struggles. He was loyal to God even through difficulties. Psalm 16 speaks to the righteous man not being moved. What does, what does Elijah say? As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. We see that Elijah was fully, 100% committed to doing what the Lord had called him to do. He was passionate about it. He loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He had a time of failure. God brought him out of it, and he went right back to serving the Lord wholeheartedly. He left a wilderness existence to confront an idolatrous, immoral king, and preach a message of judgment. He lived by the side of a brook, a creek, and was fed by ravens, by birds, scavenger birds. He went to a lonely widow in Zarephath to perform miracles in relative obscurity up in that little town north of Tyre, not even in Israel proper. He went against the popular culture to deliver a message of truth, righteousness, and judgment. What an example Elijah is. And I can't help but wonder, as I was talking to Pastor Arabo when he was here for missions conference, he said, We are seeing more and more missionaries come off the field. Bob Fields University has made a commitment to putting 500 pastors in pulpits around the nation in the next five years. I read missionary magazines, I read BMM and BWM, and I, I've, I've seen so many articles. We're losing vocational ministry. Around the nation? Who's going to replace these retiring pastors, missionaries, and angels? Who's it going to be? What keeps young men and women, what keeps boys and girls from surrendering to vocational ministry? What is it? Is it sin? Is it money? Is it fear? Is it pleasure? Is it convenience, contentment? Is it people? Is it something else? What is it that's keeping our boys and girls from committing to vocational ministry? Elijah, he was called and he was determined. He fulfilled God's will, even though it had serious challenges, even though it caused him to even have to go down to a little brook and be fed by ravens. And then confidence before the Lord gives us confidence before men. Once again, that phrase is used a couple times. As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand. His confidence came from his strength in the Lord, from his relationship with Jesus Christ. The strong in the Lord, the power of his might, strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. One missionary said, attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. Maybe there's a lot of weak ministry because there's a lot of weak pastors and a lot of weak Christians. <clears throat> We've got very little relationship with the Lord, so no wonder there's very little Holy Spirit living. And then God expects us to pray as part of the execution and acceptance of his will. We close with this, James 5, verse 17, Elias, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, then it rained. Not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Once again, God used Elijah and God used his prayer to the execution of his will in bringing the famine, but, it also, but also in preparing Elijah for that time of famine where he was going to have to go down by the brook and then eventually go on to the widow of Zarephath. God was preparing Elijah. In his prayer, and he was also executing his will. Once again, we see the importance and the power of prayer. We don't always know how God's going to answer, but God commands us to pray. God expects us to pray. And we don't always know what God is doing. We pray with supplications. We give our requests to the Lord. We do so with thanksgiving. And God is working in us just as He is also working out His will. And Elijah is a great example of that. So, I hope that has been a help and encouragement to us tonight. Let's bow in prayer and then we can Lord, we thank you for Elijah, for his example, for so much that we can learn. Lord, we see Elijah, and I know for me, I have failed in comparison to his powerful ministry. It's a rebuke and it's also an encouragement. The Lord, if you could use a man like Elijah, then you can use any one of us. Lord, help us to be committed and be faithful. Lord, help us to have the the confidence that Elijah had, the courage that Elijah had. The Lord, we know we can only have that by our trust in you, our faith in you, and our close walk with you. The Lord, use us, I pray, even this week in influence and testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is now with your blessings. Keep the saved as we pray only pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here. Hope you have a great rest of the week. And don't get security training Saturday. And we'll look forward to seeing you back on Sunday. Thank <laughs> you.